Well, I just like my friends who have been up here, I wanna say thank you for joining us. So glad that you're worshiping with us at Christ Presbyterian Church. Um, before we jump into the last week of our Half Truths We Half Believe series, I just wanna pause for a moment just as uh, your pastor and just say, you know, first of all, thank you to those of you who uh, financially, generously support Christ Presbyterian Church, that there's so many amazing ministries and things that are happening here because of uh, the ways that you bless and provide. Um, and we hope that it's a blessing in return to you, that you are blessed as you participate here and that God is growing your own heart and growing you in generosity. One of the things I wanted to remind you uh, that you're giving supports is right now we have uh, many, many, I don't know the number and I don't wanna make it up. But we have many students, high school students and leaders and volunteers and staff who are down in Oklahoma for uh, Summit, the annual high school camp. And so we are so excited for them, praying for them. Um, but again, just wanna say thank you to those of you who support our ministry and thank you to those of you who are thinking about it and uh, will support us soon. So thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, I wanna introduce today's topic with a quote. So this is from a 2018 Atlantic article. It says, Kern Bear, a masthead member, so he was a founding member of this group they're interviewing, a masthead member from Mountain View, California, believes in God and studies the teachings of Jesus, but does he identify with a particular religion? Never, he told me. The structure and rigidity of a church, Bear believes, is antithetical to everything Jesus represents. Instead of attending services, he meditates every morning. So today we're talking about something that uh, I just want to go ahead and name. It might be a little uncomfortable. I'm not trying to step on your toes. I hope we can hold this loosely. But it's a phrase that's common in our culture. You may have even said it over the last few weeks about yourself, a family member, a friend, a coworker, And it's this, I'm spiritual but not religious. I'm spiritual but not religious. And again, I, I don't want to be judgy about this. I know a lot of people have good reasons for saying this. I don't want you to be judgy about this. My, my goal is not to give you the definitive answer as to why this is a crazy thing to say. I want to give you just a biblical alternative to think about both religion and your faith. And in 20 minutes, there's not, uh, we're not going to answer all the questions, but I just want to drive at a couple of things that I think are really important about this, uh, about understanding where this uh, half-truth comes from and what a more biblical reframe might look like. And so in 2017, the Barner Research Group, they did a study of people who considered themselves spiritual but not religious. And they broke them into two camps, as you'll see in the screen, uh, SBNR1 and SBNR2, spiritual but not religious. Um, number one were people that had faith. They claimed to be Christian or Buddhist or Muslim, but they didn't actually participate in any regular religious. They claimed to have faith, but they didn't go to church. They were spiritual, but not religious. Group two, SBNR2, were those who claimed to have no faith. They were atheist or agnostic, um, but they still claimed to be spiritual. Now, for group one, those who have some type of faith but say they're spiritual and not religious, the operative thing for them is that they are in some way trying to explain why they believe this, the beliefs of this religion, but they don't actually go to church. Right? That's what group number one is doing. They're explaining and maybe even maybe alleviating guilt 
about why they don't go to church. Group number two is doing something entirely different. They are essentially saying, we want to live spiritual lives. We want spiritual type practices in our journey that will help alleviate stress, anxiety, suffering. They're essentially looking for this primarily as a therapeutic practice. But what Barna found was that even though these two groups identified completely differently when it came to why they use this phrase, there was actually something common at the core of it. And here's what they said. They said that seeking autonomy from religious authority seems to be the central task of the spiritual, but not religious. And so for both groups, the central task was to separate from any kind of institutional organized religion. And so I would say for those who claim to follow Jesus, then using this phrase is primarily a way to separate from church. And I'll acknowledge plenty of people say this and they have good reason to. Plenty of people say this and they have good reason to. They've had bad experiences with church, negative experiences, boring experiences, lack of transformation, or maybe even downright trauma. And for those reasons, I apologize on behalf of pastors and churches because that's not the hope when it comes to religious practices and involvement in institutional church. So today what I want to do is offer a biblical reframe, and that is this. I need practices in community to reinforce my soul's need for Jesus. I need practices in community to reinforce my soul's need for Jesus. And it's framed first person because the half-truth is also first person. I'm spiritual but not religious. I need practices in community. Uh, Lillian Daniel is a pastor and author, and she wrote an article called Spiritual But Not Religious? Please Stop Boring Me. She wrote a book of a similar title, and I found this quote fascinating. Um, Fair warning, it stings a little. So I'm just going to, it's a little provocative. She says, being privately spiritual but not religious just doesn't interest me. There is nothing challenging about having deep thoughts all by oneself. What is interesting is doing this work in community where other people might call you on stuff or, heaven forbid, disagree with you. Where life with God gets rich and provocative is when you dig deeply into a tradition that you did not invent all by yourself. And she keeps going. Thank you for sharing, spiritual but not religious sunset person. You are now comfortably in the norm for self-centered American culture. Right smack in the bland majority of people who find ancient religions dull but find themselves uniquely fascinating. I mean, I I told you I did not want to come across judgy. Um, This quote is hard. It's hard to ignore, right? And so here's the thing. When we say we're being spiritual but not religious, what we're often doing is we're saying that we contend our souls just fine. We don't need help. We don't need others. We don't need an ancient religion. We don't need structure. We don't need organized. We contend our souls just fine. We contend to it. We can take care of ourselves. But the truth is, nothing in your life wants to point you to Jesus. Nothing that you can find or invent on your own wants to point you to Jesus. 
right? The only way to let Jesus tend your soul is to do so in a community of people who are walking that journey with you, who you are practicing your faith with, right? That is the call for us is to let God tend our soul by practicing our faith together through the good and the hard things of life. So we're gonna turn, we're gonna look at scripture. I told you last week that when we do topical sermons, I certainly don't want to fall in the trap of just trying to say something really clever that you might appreciate. I would rather you see what scripture says. And so we're in Deuteronomy chapter six. Grab your Bible, your pew Bible, uh, chapter six, verse 20. I'll set it up. Uh, so Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. So go to the, go to the front. You can find Deuteronomy pretty easily, uh, but Deuteronomy uh, is written to the people of Israel. And the people of Israel, if you don't know the backstory, they were slaves in Egypt. God showed up and he rescued them miraculously from Egypt in a thing we call the Exodus. There's a book of the Bible called the Exodus. They, they're led across the desert, across the sea, and what should take them really no time takes them 40 years because they're wrestling with disobedience, but they get to the edge of the promised land. So God is trying to give them their own land so they can set up and they can live under God's reign in the world. And as they get ready for that, God is giving them instructions. Here's how to live. And so this chapter in Deuteronomy chapter six, by the way, the whole chapter is amazing. I had a hard time picking which verses to use from it. But pick up in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 20. It says, in the future, when your son, so when your kid asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws? So the religious practices, what is the meaning of the religious practices that the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him this, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there. Notice, notice this, God does all of this. They don't do anything. God does it for them. He brought us out from there to bring us and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. Verse 24, the Lord commanded us, to obey all these decrees, to practice our religion and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. That will mean that we're living rightly with God as he intended under his reign in the promised land. How do they do it? They had to be obedient to the laws that he had given them. So let's stop there. And so if, you're, if you work a job, let's say you work a job for a long time. Let's just say you're an engineer. If you're an engineer and you work that job five days a week, when you go home in the evening, you're still an engineer. On the weekends, you're still an engineer. You may not be doing the thing that's an engineer, but you're still an engineer. But let's say that you lose that job. Let's say that you lose that job and days go by and weeks go by, months, maybe even years, and you're not practicing, you're not working as an engineer, and somebody says, hey, are you still an engineer? Yes or no? So yes, in some ways, right, you have that training, you have that background, that's what you've done in the past, but in some ways the answer is no. You are not currently practicing as an engineer. You are not currently doing the routines, the things that an engineer does that would remind you on a regular basis, I'm an engineer, this is what an engineer does, this is what I do. The routines remind you of who you are. 
And so God gives them routines to do on a regular basis. We might call them religious practices. And they are to remind the people of who they are because of what God has done for them. Verse 20 says what? Why should you, when your kid asks, why do we do these things? Why do we practice this faith? Why do we do things this way? It's because God has given us these things to remind us, these routines to remind us who we are because of what God has done for us. In fact, the word religion, and again, I know religion can get a bad rap, the word religion in the Latin is the word religare, or relegare, relegare. It means to bind up, to bind up, to take something, to bind it together. And so we're talking about religion, we're really just talking about practices that bind the human to the divine, that bind us to God. That's what we're talking about when we talk about religious practices. At their best, they're intended to bind our identity to the identity of the God who has redeemed us. For the Old Testament Israelites, they're being reminded of the story that they were once slaves in Egypt and God set them free. And for us, we practice our faith together on a consistent, regular basis because the routines remind us we were slaves to sin. And yet Jesus on the cross set us free for a life with him. And yet for the Israelites, you know, if they went days or weeks or months or even years and they didn't practice the thing God said, they could still say, you know, we, we were rescued out of Egypt. That's our background. That's our history. But could they claim to be living that out today if they weren't actually putting it into practice? And the same thing for us. Can we say, yeah, we follow Jesus I mean, we don't really do anything that Christians do, but we're, we're, we're Christians. Can we say that? Like, could we, could we go, yeah, I got, I got baptized. I used to go to church. I grew up in Sunday school. I memorized this, but I no longer really practice my faith. But I still, I'm still a Christian. I'm not here to judge who's a Christian and who's not, but I'm saying if you aren't doing the things on a regular basis, the routines that remind you of what Christ has done for you, how can your life be built upon that? Theologian Telford Works said that a forgetful people misrepresents the faithful God it proclaims first by hypocrisy and then by apostasy. So those are big words. But hypocrisy meaning that we say we believe this, but we actually do this contrary. And apostasy meaning that we walk away from what we believe altogether. What he's saying is that when we don't put our faith into practice, we're not remembering We're forgetful. And the first thing that happens when we're forgetful is we live hypocritical lives. And then eventually what happens is we walk away from the faith all together. If we're forgetful people, God has given us religious practices to help us remember who we are because of what he's done for us, to bind us to those things. And so for Christians, I just want you to see that religion is not a bad word. Plenty of people have done things in the name of religion that are bad, But religion in and of itself, uh, to, to pit it against religion and spirituality is really a false dichotomy. The dichotomy is, are we gonna be self reliant or are we gonna be Christ reliant? And we can only learn to rely on Christ within community with others who are practicing the faith. So when we try to be spiritual but not religious, what we end up doing is building our faith on our own ability to create practices that we think might unite us with God. 
And the irony is, while we're trying to resist the institutional church, we're actually building a faith on the institution of self. And the problem with that is that yourself and myself, the best of us and the worst of us, whatever that means, we do not have the power to sustain the battery that we face to give up our faith on a regular basis. One of the uh, greatest theologians in church history named Augustine said that sin is to be curved in on oneself. When we are living out of an institution of self, we do not have the power to resist the being curved in on ourself, to let sin mar our souls and lead us astray, first to hypocrisy, then to apostasy. God has given us religious practices that we can have in community and it's connected to the historic faith so that we can live in response to what he's done for us. I need and you need and we need practices together to reinforce our soul's need for Jesus that we cannot satisfy our own souls on our own. So over the coming days, I wanna challenge you, over the weeks ahead, I wanna challenge you to be more religious. You probably didn't expect that coming here this morning, that you're going to be challenged to be more religious. But I'm going to give you three potential concrete actions uh, to connect with the possibilities of a religious tradition over the days ahead. So number one, I want you to pray a psalm out loud every day. To pray a psalm out loud. It's really simple. Uh, Christians... Jewish people have been doing this since before the time of Jesus. We're connected to the ancient history of the church and of Christ's followers. Pray a psalm out loud. Now, there are some traditions, not ours, but there are some Christian traditions that believe that prayers that are structured or pre-written are not, are not great prayers or they're not faithful prayers, that the only kind of good prayer is a prayer that is spontaneous. And we don't really believe that at CPC, but you might meet Christians who believe things like that. And the problem with that argument, though, is is that when you have words that you're given, like a psalm, you can use those words to guide you in prayer while not having to worry so much about what do I say next. You can truly just be present to the Spirit as you pray that psalm. So a few psalms I want to encourage you. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 8, it says, when I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, for those who find God in nature, for those types, Psalm 8 is a great one to pray out loud while being in nature, while looking at a sunset. Number two, I want you to make a specific commitment to Christian community. Second option, I guess. Second option, make a specific commitment to Christian community. And I, I'm legitimately just asking you to make a plan to show up. Show up to church. Show up to your Bible study, show up to your community, your small group, show up to serving, make a commitment to show up and serve. What we know is over the last couple of years, a lot of our patterns and routines around just gathering with other Christians have been disrupted and we may have had a hard time getting kind of jump-started or reconnected. And so make a plan, make a plan to show up to a place with a people as much as you can. And those of you who can't quite get in person yet, bless you, reach out, let us know how to love on you virtually, but make a plan to connect with people. Number three, this is is gonna be a shocking one. Read the Westminster Shorter Catechism. 
Okay, catechisms and confessions were ancient teaching documents or old teaching documents by the church where they helped like, write out the faith in these compact ways that the children and new uh, converts could learn the Christian faith. The Westminster Shorter Catechism was written in 1647 in Scotland. It has 107 questions. They're all short I'm not asking you to memorize them, but if you want to connect with the historic Christian faith, this is a way to do it. Now, there's two things I want you to see. Uh, When we think about organized religion, especially those people who do not care for organized religion, there probably are not two more infamous things than like catechisms and confessions, sound about as traditionally religious as you can get, and then the Ten Commandments. Like the Ten Commandments are like par excellence for like the, uh, the religion in the Old Testament in the Bible, right? And so I want you to see Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 42. What is the sum of the Ten Commandments? The sum of the Ten Commandments is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, and our neighbor as ourself. So when these two things, which are just like the pinnacle of religion for people, right? The catechisms and the Ten Commandments. When those things are combined, what do we see? That the heart of both of them, and I would argue the heart of any true religious practice, is to connect us with the love of God, with the love of the Father, that we might live in light of it. So the third challenge would be to read the Westminster Shorter Catechism. You can just Google that phrase. I think the first thing that comes up should take you there. Um, Just three simple practices. You know, one that's about community and two that are about being connected to the historic, global, Christian faith. But all three are just reminders that that we should live our faith depending on Jesus rather than ourselves. Finally, I just wanna say the problem with spiritual but not religious is that it sounds like it's going to set us free from the burdens of religion. And in reality, what it does is it tethers us to the burden of making it on our own. It tethers us to the burden of being so spiritual that we get it right. It puts the burden on us. And so if we don't practice our faith in meaningful, regular ways in Christian community as Christ followers, then we will build our faith on something else. Because at the end of the day, Again, spiritual, not religious, is a false choice. We're all religious. We all worship something. We all have practices and routines and rhythms and ways of life that we think are leading us to the life that we desire. We're all religious. So I wanna leave you with this quote from uh, Jamie Smith, a philosopher and theologian. He says, the question isn't whether you're going to believe, but who? It's not merely about what to believe, but who to entrust yourself to. Do we really think humanity is our best bet? Do we really think we are the answer to our problems, we who've generated all of them? The problem with everything from enlightenment scientism to mushy eat, pray, loveism is us. If anything looks irrational, it's the notion that we are our best hope. The problem with spiritual but not religious is us. The problem is us. The question isn't, are you gonna be spiritual or are you gonna be religious? The question is, are you gonna worship God or are you gonna worship yourself? I need practices in community 
to remind me, to reinforce that my soul needs Jesus and needs Christ alone. I don't want more religion for you. I want you to know the deep love of Jesus and for it to change your life. Let's commit to that together. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, as we make our way to the table this morning, as we gather, as we sing, as we pray, as we hear your word, and we make our way to the table, remind us of your, remind us of your goodness and your nearness as we practice this way of being present to you and letting your transformative work on the cross, your body and your blood, be everything to us. Be near to us in this time. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.